Welcome to Alaskwatch, the show all about Bigfoot in the great state of Alaska. I'm your host, Beans Baxter. So lace up your boots, zip up your coat, and come with me on an adventure as we explore all things cryptid in the last frontier. special Thanksgiving edition of Alaska Watch. And what's Thanksgiving without some guests, some people to sit at the table and talk about stuff like Bigfoot politics. I'm just kidding. Just Bigfoot. So I've got some special guests lined up and I'm going to start bringing them in one at a time in no particular order. This is just the order they showed up in. Uh, First, we've got all the way from Fairbanks, Alaska, we've got Jesse Desmond. Hey. Hi. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Next, coming all the way up near Denali from Healy, we've got Norm. Hey, everybody. Everybody's like, Norm, like on Cheers. <laughs> and we've got, coming up from Toke, we've got the Sasquatch tracker himself, Michael Thompson. There's Michael. All right. Have you got sound there, Michael? We can't hear you. You're going to have to write it down and hold it up to the screen. (laughs) So he's going to work on that. Uh, We're going to get going here. Uh, The topic for tonight's discussion is, is what does Bigfoot eat? Uh, let me see what, what do they, what do they consume? Uh, I tried to think of some things that maybe wouldn't Michael, you're back. Still can't hear you. (laughs) So, uh, I tried to think of some things that maybe, I, I stay away from like obvious things like berries. You know, we, we've all heard the stories of the people out berry picking and they see the Bigfoot. Uh, and, and I actually, I pulled this out. This is uh, Alaska's Wild Plants, a guide to Alaska's edible and healthy, healthful harvest. Uh, I actually picked this up at the Boreal Bigfoot Expo. And, I have it too. <laughs> and have been uh, perusing it. And I tried to pick some selections out of here that maybe were things that I didn't realize were edible or some things that maybe, you know, would would kind of be uh, available to Sasquatch out in the wild. And I thought, man, like what a, what an awesome idea for a Thanksgiving episode, Uh, food, you know, we're, we're going into Thanksgiving, the holiday weekend's coming up here and we're going to talk about what Bigfoot eats. And I asked you guys to, uh, you know, maybe bring some of your ideas about uh, what Bigfoot eats, and we're going to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. I'm going to have to talk over you because you're talking too much. So. You know what the uh, short answer is, Beans? <laughs> what's that? You know what the short answer is? What's that? Whatever he wants. Watch eats whatever he wants. <laughs> Yep, I've heard that before. <laughs> Michael, you got sound over there yet? 
So Michael's actually a deaf mute. He's actually one of the few deaf mute Sasquatch trackers out there. So he specializes in audio. Yeah. Don't 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 make fun of him because he's <laughs> he's overcoming adversity to follow his dream. Um so the book, the Alaska, and I need to give a disclaimer before we start shouting out plants for that people can eat. Um, you know, th this book says, don't just run out and, and, and start eating this stuff. Like, make sure you do uh, good, your good due diligence. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, don't take my word for it. And if I say like, oh, you know, you can eat dandelions, like don't run out and eat a bunch of dandelions because being said so. Uh, you need to, to research and uh, follow uh, more credible avenues of, of uh, wild plant preparation than myself. Uh, many of these things that I'm about to, to talk about, um, there's instructions in the book on how to uh, harvest them. Uh, some of them aren't necessarily, you can't just pull it out of the ground and eat it. There's some preparation that goes into it. So... Please, you know, use your brain. <laughs> don't don't just run out and, and grab a bunch of stuff and start eating it because because uh, beans told you to. So nobody should listen to any advice that I give at any time. Michael, you're there. I can hear you guys. There, yeah. there he is. Okay. Hey, the Sasquatch tracker speaks. Yeah, I just had I had to switch headphones on something that I got a problem with the other set. So I'm on now, guys. Happy Thanksgiving, right. everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, so we're, we're talking about food, Michael. We're talking about what's available out there in the wild for, for Bigfoot to eat. I've got some selections that I picked out of this uh, Alaska Wild Plants book. But, I mean, we're not certainly not limited to plants. Anything you guys think of uh, is open game. Uh, I'm particularly interested in like protein sources, because obviously an animal the size of Sasquatch probably needs some protein. Uh, I remember when I first got into Bigfooting, there was a big, like a lot of the skeptics would say there's not enough calories in the woods, which I think is just ridiculous. If you consider there's, there's thousand pound moose and bear running around out there and, and gorillas, uh, obviously there are, <laughs> yeah, I, you don't hear that as much anymore. That was something that was kind of running around like in the Bigfoot forums around maybe the late 90s or so. Uh, you certainly don't hear that argument as much anymore, but I remember when I first started out, I heard it quite a bit. Um, and one of the, the first things that I pulled out of the book here uh, is something that I've seen quite a bit, especially around like area A, coastal areas, and that's bull kelp. kelp. Mm -hmm. Are you guys familiar with bull kelp? It, it's a big, long, looks like a whip with a bulb on the end of it. And I have uh, bull kelp. Um, Serrano hot sauce in my fridge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, little did I know, apparently it's a, a pretty good source of protein. And I believe uh, vitamin A and C as well. And I believe from what I understand, again, don't run out and start shoving bull kelp in your mouth. But I believe you can eat it raw, like just pick it up off the ground and, and chew on it. Uh, so that was something I did not rec realize. I've seen bull kelp all over the place, uh, walking mm -hmm. along the, the shoreline, never thought once to pick it up and put it in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> but maybe a hungry Sasquatch might. I it recall... actually makes really good pickles. 
There, there's a company out of, um, I want, I think they're out of Juno or something. It's called Barnacle Foods, and they they make bulk help uh, products. So they have like pickles and hot sauce and salsa and stuff. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Norm, what were you going to say, bud? I can recall a sighting, I believe it was from British Columbia, of Sasquatch at night walking inland carrying kelp. That's interesting. I, I kind of like, I want to talk about plants kind of initially, but I want to get into like animals and, and hunting and, and stuff later. And I kind of want to touch on the fact how I personally, and through many of the sightings that I've, I've read and researched, I don't remember ever seeing one about Bigfoot fishing. I've heard of them stealing fish that have already been caught, but I don't think I've ever seen one or heard one where Bigfoot was like active, like a bear, like pulling, scooping salmon out of a river or something. Um, I've, but, heard, I've heard stories of uh, Sasquatch at the side of a river, like catching fish and uh, also clamming. Okay. And I've heard the thing clam, but I don't think I've ever heard the salmon one. So, oh, I recall uh, one yeah. sighting of salmon harvesting going yeah. on. Yeah, it, it, I've only heard it like around uh, some of the larger rivers and stuff like that that really have like big salmon uh, feeds going up. You know what I mean? It's like Copper River and Yukon and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um the other one I had that I, I see quite a bit around area A and the, the coastline is ribbon kelp. Uh, again, it's a it's a right. big source of protein, apparently. And see it all the time. Never never thought once that, hey, I'm going to pick that up, put it in my mouth. But it uh, could be a, a good source of protein for, uh, for Sasquatch. It also has a lot of uh, phytonutrients and like uh, iodine and, and all kinds of minerals and stuff like that but a lot of times you have to like rinse it otherwise it's kind of salty yeah that's one of the things that uh in the harvesting section of the book she talks about especially with anything like the kelp is the to rinse it or else it's going to be a salty snack but she said sometimes that's a good that adds flavor so sometimes that's good um one of the other sections of course is this is the one that is most interesting uh pertaining to Bigfoot is forests. And uh, there's the spruce tips, apparently, that are edible. Uh, I know Alaskan, the, what is it, Alaska Beer uh, Company puts, they have like their winter ale or something that has like spruce tips in it. Um, I don't I don't remember particularly liking that one. Uh, but again, that's not something that I would necessarily think that, that I would just want to pick up off the, the ground and eat. But apparently you can prepare it and, and eat it. Um, it I vitamin C. Yeah, yeah. Th it's best to eat them in the spring, it says. Mm -hmm. So that would be something they would probably start munching on, um, you know, in, in the early spring, maybe before the salmon come and, and the rest of the plants are, are blooming. Yeah, you want uh, them when they're, they're like a brighter green than the rest of the tree and they're softer. So yeah, they're, they're kind of they a get citrusy too, kind of. They get too pulpy. Yeah. too chewy and stocky pulpy as time goes on so definitely in the spring yeah and another one i didn't think about was birch sap apparently birch sap is uh is pretty good i've never 
had it knowingly that I that I could think of. Uh, you have, you never had birch syrup or anything? You can buy so. that. <laughs> yeah. Available again. I'm 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 not uh, I'm not I'm not big on it. Like I was thinking the other day about uh, uh, we're going to talk about like what later like what kind of human foods do we think Bigfoot might like? And I remember wasn't there a video or something where there a thermal video where like there was a candy bar on a stump and the Bigfoot was trying and it was like a Zagnut bar. I, I think it was know, in North Zagnut's Carolina good. or something. And I was like I don't I'm a 45 year old man and I don't think I've ever seen a freaking Zagnut bar like in the wild like anywhere. Like, I don't remember ever going into a store because sometimes, you know, things are kind of regional, like, oh, it's on the East Coast, or the West Coast. And I'm like, I've never seen a Zagnut bar in my life other than like on TV. <clears throat> I have rant, rant over. <laughs> I'm going to get there's a if you go to my website and look at my about page, it has my ad, uh, address on there. People are going to start sending me Zagnut bars. <laughs> um, it'll, be, it'll be sponsored by Zagnut. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot's favorite like candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one, uh, this is high in vitamin C, is cottonwood buds, which I had no idea. And this was a big surprise for me. Devil's Club. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you can yeah. eat that. Uh, we don't the, really get Devil's Club so much up, up around Fairbanks, I don't think. Well, I've got a shitload of it here. Yeah. I'll send you some. Um, apparently you have to peel the shoots before you can eat it because it's all prickly. Yeah. But I was just like, that stuff is everywhere here. I mean, you can't go, I can't walk into my backyard past the, the tree line without getting snagged on it. It is, it's thick here. Um, but I would have never thought that devil's club was on the menu for anybody other than maybe some bugs or something. Because it's so prickly. If you don't know what Devil's Club is, like Google it. It's it's very pointy. Everything's pointy about it. The leaves are pointy. The stalks are pointy. And uh, there, there's a funny scene, and I think it's the outtakes from uh, In Search of the Port Ch Chatham Harry Man, where where Stevens like standing, and he reaches out to like steady himself, and he grabs a stalk of Devil's Club, and he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, every hiker does it eventually. What about fireweed uh, and chiming bells? I have fireweed on here. Uh, yes. I don't have chiming. What are chiming bells? Chiming bells, um, little blue flowers. Um, they're very good in the spring, like fireweed. Just eat the, the vegetation. Um, I eat both of those myself as I'm wandering around. Yeah. I'm, it's, if it's in the book, I probably I probably saw it and was like, I don't know what that is and just kept going on might be under I could be wrong. And what I do have on here is Pushki. Pushki? Yeah, cow parsnip. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's kind of like devil's coat. I I never I had never really dealt with it before. And I remember when I was working at the PD, uh, I was on I went to this call where this guy had gotten stabbed. And uh, I know I just said, it's like, yeah, there was a guy that got stabbed one time and I'm just going to talk about this. And uh, we were looking for the knife and it was in a, a campground, uh, like a wooded area. And it was summer. So I'm like wearing short sleeves. I got like my baton out and I'm like beating through this tall grass looking for this knife that we think got tossed in this um, field. And I get back to the police department and uh, 
I look down and I've got like these red dots all over my arms and I'm like, what the hell? Like, am I going to die? What is this? And the dispatcher's like, you got into some push key. And I'm like, what is push key? And why is it doing this to me? I didn't itch. It just like, I just had these red blotches all over my arms. And that was my first experience with push key, but apparently it's called part cow parsnip. And it's a lot like devil's club. And if you touch it, it's going to get you. Uh, it didn't make me itch, but I've heard it makes other people itch. Uh, I'm not really susceptible to poison ivy either. Like I've never had a, a reaction to it. Uh, and apparently much like devil's club, you have to peel the stalk and it's like the inner part, I guess that's edible that you can eat. Uh, and again, don't run out and just shove pushki in your mouth. There's like some preparation, some research that needs to be done. So don't take my word for it. But uh, again, that's something that could easily, uh, you know, like a Bigfoot that lives in the woods uh, and is living off the land. That's something that they could easily probably uh, incorporate into their diet. Stinging nettles. Uh, I saw nettles in the book, but I didn't. I didn't include them. Uh, but yeah, that's another one. I think that's something that's not wouldn't come to mind easily when you were thinking about edible plants. Well, you know, we have uh, quite a few like mushrooms up here as well so i mean that includes chaga and which is like uh super nutrient and it's a major antioxidant so i mean you can use it to you can eat it you can make it as a tea you know that sort of thing and it only grows on birch trees and the further north you go the the more antioxidants it it contains yeah there's no mushrooms in the book um there was a gentleman that came out to the cabin one time that was very knowledgeable of mushrooms and he i remember him asking me like have you ever seen any moral mushrooms up here i'm like no never um and him because that's like the one mushroom that i know what it is (laughs) uh and him and uh, the owner they went up on the hill one day and they came back with just a, a big he had a big like sack full of mushrooms i don't remember what kind they were they weren't moral they were some a, a bunch of different kinds, but I was like, I had no idea there were many like edible mushrooms around here. Lots. Uh, and he, yeah, and he was telling me. I guess he he did that a lot in California, where he was from. And he was like, you can go out in the woods and pick a sack like this in California and like make a lot of money that way. Shaggy yeah, Maine is there another one up here in around Toke. Which one? Shaggy Maine. Shaggy Maine mushrooms. Yeah. That's very Shaggy popular around here. Uh, I think. I think we have some lion's mane or something up here as well. And I want to say chicken of the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, we have puff balls, but they don't get very big, but as long as they're um, solid and white all the way through, you can, you can eat those. Yeah. I think puff balls were mentioned in the book, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Are they considered a mushroom or are they, I think yeah, there they're... might be something else. They're mushrooms. Yeah. And then, uh, go ahead. They're fun guys. Fun guys. (laughs) And we've got, um, moving into like wetlands, there's the, the, I had to mention the bog cranberry because Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen any up here, though. Maybe you guys have seen some up in the tundra or something. Well, we have a lot of linion berries and we have a lot of high bush up here. Yeah. There's, there's like, blueberries uh oh. moss berries salmon berries just all kinds of berries 
here. Yeah, and a lot of them yeah. tend to look kind of similar. <laughs> they tend to taste kind of similar to me as well. Like yeah. there's, there's like the uh what do they call it? It, it looks like a blueberry, but it ha it's like twisted something like the the when it grows there's like a little twist in the in the stem or something and it's, it's a service berry or something no a service berry is actually that's also um called a saskatoon and that's actually related to apples it's a berry and it's related to apples i'll have to um and that i think that was kind of like dandelions like it was brought over when people came uh through on the alcan or something yeah, there's a ton of berries up here, and I almost—that's why I didn't really mention any of them because there's just so many, and there's so yeah. many stories about Bigfoot uh, being seen by berry pickers and, and other people. Yeah. So I was like, let's—we'll talk about something maybe a little different. Um, and then there's Mare's Tail, which I have seen and never thought about it being edible. Um, that's a <laughs> hold on. To... Jesse is very knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible uh, yeah. pun. <laughs> uh, and then you've got uh, dandelion, which I think I think most people know is probably edible. My dogs love dandelions; they eat the shit out of those things. Oh. Um, my dad made dandelion wine. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I don't. I was never like young enough to drink it. I'm sure he probably gave me a taste. I don't remember anything about it, but. He he was big in the wine wine making there for a while, and he had this our they had this corner of the room, and it looked like a freaking laboratory with like milk jugs and stoppers with like tubes coming out of them, and uh, and one of his big projects was dandelion wine, and then uh, we've got clovers, which I mean they're clovers, they're everywhere, mm -hmm. uh, and the American plantain, which is. A super versatile plant. Uh, you can chew it, make a poultice out of it. Uh, you can eat it. It's everywhere. I didn't think it was up here, and I saw a video on it, and I started looking for it, and I'm like, yeah, it is up here. It's kind of actually everywhere. It's even here in my yard. It's, yeah, it's probably yeah. in your lawn. Yeah. And that's it about as far as I, I have for, like, plants. Uh, if you guys have anything else plant related uh now's the time to bring it up you know we have a lot of herbs and stuff that grow naturally um you know with all the we have all these like new distilleries and breweries and i think there's a couple wineries and stuff in the state too but i don't know why no one's making absinthe because we have naturally growing wormwood up here uh i don't think bigfoot's gonna want to chew on something really super bitter like wormwood but you never know. <laughs> um, I think it can get rid of parasites or something like that. And uh, we have Labrador tea that grows around. They might want to consume something like that at some point. Uh, we have, I don't know if our willow has the same medicinal qualities as like some other varieties. Because um, I know that sometimes there's like aspirin qualities associated with willow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I okay, think so. I think it does. I say if you chew chew willow bark, it's good for like headaches and stuff. Pilates so has reported witnesses as seeing Sasquatchy willow. 
by pulling the branches through its mouth and stripping the leaves off. Yeah. Uh, that was in tribal Bigfoot, I believe. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what else? Reindeer moss. Right. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of that. Uh, it's kind of acidic for people and gives you, you know, stomach ache or heartburn. But uh, a lot of people do eat it, though. I don't think it would be unfit for a Sasquatch. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, we don't know anything about how their digestive system works. They might be able to eat things that we certainly can't. Uh, there's, there's lots of animals out there that can eat things that we can't. Yeah, we always tend to think that, you know, when we, because Sasquatch is, you know, described as so human-like that we always think that they would have the same kind of a digestive system or, you know, same reactions to plants and taste buds and things like that as, as we do. But you're right, Beans, it could be totally opposite. Yeah, I tend to think that they, I, I think they're basically, they'll eat whatever's available. They're They're like a a predator of opportunity if they have to be scavenger of opportunity if they have to be but i think they subsist mainly on probably vegetation uh with the occasional kill you know with with, with a, a carcass or, or whatever they can get their hands on uh, but i think they can survive just fine probably without uh, a ton of um, hunting uh, you know, like I said, especially in the coastal areas where you have the bull, kelp, stuff like that, that can add extra protein. Uh, I think they could probably get by with maybe only, you know, having to kill just just enough to get by. Uh, although, Norm, you were saying something the other day about how there was like a moratorium on was it sheep hunting and the numbers never rose like they. Yeah. And Denali National Park, uh, Denali National Park was actually formed in response to market hunting. Uh, wiping out sheep and, to a lesser extent, caribou populations. But it was formed in, I believe, 1917, and the doll sheep never recovered. They've they've just stayed low population-wise since then, uh, which I find interesting. I can't explain it adequately. Yeah, if there's nothing actively hunting, well, I mean, I guess there are things hunting them, bear and wolves probably, but without the added stress of, of people coming in and hunting them, you think the, the numbers would rise somewhat. You would think. So I often wonder about that. Um, still on the, the vegetable topic, uh, out of the two piles of scat I found that I suspect were Sasquatch, one was filled with fibrous material. Um, you know, I checked it. I knocked it apart a little bit, expecting hair, but it was fibers, um, like little fibers of willow or twigs or something in it although it was shaped in a very human-like way so i suspect in that case that whatever it was was definitely working on fibrous material maybe inner bark of willow or aspens even i'm not sure yeah well i've heard <clears throat> more than one account of the the running the branch through the the lips and and, and peeling the the leaves and stuff off uh there's a gentleman on um i think the boggy creek monster the small town monster documentary on boggy creek he mentions that i believe it's mentioned in the william Rowe encounter yes. yeah it was. and i've always wondered uh in those in those instances where people see him do that are they tearing the branch off and doing that or are they just pulling the branch over and doing that 
Uh, because I, I would think if some people were walking around and they looked down and they saw a bunch of branches laying on the ground with no leaves on them, that would probably be something they would notice. But if you saw it on a tree, you'd probably just say, well, it's probably a moose or something. Well, the one case I read recently in Pilates, uh, it had actually torn the branch off of the bush or shrub. Um, so I think that's something we should look for. I think that would be an interesting sign to find. There you point. go. That's that, that's something I've never really thought about before until now. That's something that probably we should start keeping our eyes out for. And so. uh, we we've got a new we've got somebody else at the door here. We got to go see who it is. Uh, we got who another is, Thanksgiving guest here. Who could it be? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> so an, another uh, plant that that Sasquatch might be willing to eat is um, cattails. Yes, yes, that that's actually in the book as well as cattails. I I think I knew they were they were um, edible though. I've never actually had it myself. Yeah, I think the tubers and the the flowering part. Yeah, but I think you have to get at the right time of the season. Otherwise, it'll just uh, like. (laughs) You can. Yeah, but apparently you can use those as tinder as well. The the. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. I think uh, maybe, hopefully, Norm, we, we've put that, planted that seed in some people's heads to look for for uh, some sticks with uh, all the leaves gnawed off or chewed off. Uh, the guy, it always struck me, the guy in the Boggy Creek documentary, he called it skin in the cat. I don't know why he said that, but he's just, because he, you know, puts it in there and um, just pulls the leaves off. But, yeah, that's something I've never really, I've never really thought to look out for is to like look for, for limbed or I guess leaved limbs. Yep, you got to start looking for that. Okay, so I, another thing that they might go after, um, what about like crops? Like crops? Maybe, I crops? mean, that's that's yeah, that's not uh, something that grows naturally up here, but we do have some farming communities up here. And uh, I know up here locally in Fairbanks, there was a Sasquatch that was sighted um, years ago, uh, going like collecting food and stuff out of uh, Calypso Farms's crop of whatever they were growing, that they kind of have like a general garden kind of crop then they sell it um the farmers markets and stuff so i don't know what exactly it was going after but i could i could see a sasquatch stealing a cabbage or something Corn. uh yeah well and yeah. a lot of grain a lot of grain and cover crops up here too so yeah. well and you've heard like how moose eat like pumpkins and stuff when people leave them out i'm sure that uh sasquatch would be opportunistic about uh, certain types of things that, that they can't normally get in their diet, uh, like just like a moose or anything would. Um, yeah. I heard that they're really partial to like sweet feed for like horses yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've heard that too. Yeah. Makes sense. <clears throat> I've wondered if uh, Sasquatch, at least up, up here in the Northern Territories like Canada and Alaska, I wonder if um like they make food caches uh some 
you know, the way, the way other mammals do. And even some of the indigenous people, you know, some, some of the tribes, uh, native tribes here in Alaska will bury things, even meats like a seal and things like that. They'll bury them for months at a time and basically let them ferment in the ground, uh, frozen and, uh, dig them out later to, to eat. So I've often wondered if, uh, because of our long winters, they may do that. And maybe they even use things like tree structures to mark where to find those things. Yeah. And there's a, there's a report in uh, Raincoast Sasquatch of a bear hunter that shot, shot a bear, uh, went to go look for it, couldn't find it and actually found it like under, like it had been buried. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered if that was maybe what, what had happened is a Bigfoot had come along, found it, and then was maybe saving it for later. Or I don't know, maybe the bear was too heavy for it to like get away quickly with. So he's like, I'll just shove him under here <laughs> and come back and get him later. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they would just wow. about have to store something for, for the winters up here. Yeah, if they yeah. don't do like intermittent hibernation or something of that nature, I would I would think they would absolutely have to. Yeah, and there's been reports of like nut uh, crushing stations where there's like a rock and a bunch of crushed nuts, but the nuts are gone, just the shells mm-hmm. remain. Uh, you know, maybe those got uh, taken away and stored somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And crustaceans, things like that, you know, the or clams, you know, things like that out on the coast, in the coastal areas like Cordoba and Valdez and, and you know, kind of kind of down in those areas. I would think that, that they would store those away, too, probably as it got colder. Yeah, um, I think they, they probably have to have some, not maybe not a huge cave full of food but something probably something to get them through the winter mm-hmm. um, and that might be also i think probably the time when they rely more on um hunting and and killing and and, and is in winter time uh when they don't have the natural resources like uh vegetation and stuff around yep or the beach yeah the beach is a good year-round source of food yeah Uh, uh, Christina says do you think maybe they migrate further south you know I don't necessarily think they might I mean I guess it depends on where they're at I particularly don't think that they migrate uh, especially near the coast I mean where are they going to (laughs) go if they're they're, like at the bottom like in Port Chatham when they're at the southern tip of the Kenai Peninsula they, they there's nowhere to go they can't go anywhere they're, they're already gone south. They can't well, go south any further. I could see them following, like, uh, like the caribou herds or something like that. Oh, yeah. There's some seasonal migration. They're taking advantage of that. Yeah. When herds herds come through, just like wolfpack or, or coyotes, they'll follow the herd for a few few days and take uh, they'll scavenge wolf kills or just outright steal, let the wolves do the hard work. Um and then steal the whole animal. Yeah, uh, that's called um, with... <clears throat> intimidation. Intimidation yes. scavenger. Yeah. 
I know that there's an awful lot of sightings up near Bethel and things, uh, especially around hunting season in the fall. Um, I think it was back in 2010, there was a family up there that had a cabin outside of Bethel and uh, they reported several years in a row uh, where they would go out to this cabin around the September time of year to, to hunt caribou and they would not see just one individual, but up to three at a time out there stalking the herds. And when you live as far north and uh, to the west as Bethel, you know, you might, they might migrate to follow the caribou herds, but they wouldn't, I, I, they wouldn't be able to make it far enough south. They'd have to live in that particular region pretty much year round. I mean, they might come further south into the interior, but at that point, you know, the climate's going to be relatively the same. So. Yeah. Okay, um, question for you guys. Okay. Do you, do you think, do you think Bigfoot could take on uh, like a muskox and win? <laughs> I think it depends on the muskox and the Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. If the Bigfoot's in his prime and the muskox is maybe old or young, probably. I'd say they could probably get a calf. I don't know about a, a full-grown adult in its prime, though. Uh, I actually just went to the muskox farm down in Matsu Valley this summer, and uh, the males down there, they they liked to show off for the crowd. They they were waiting until people weren't looking, and then they would charge and, you know, butt their heads against those steel fences and the whole fence would rattle like it was going to fall over. So. So I guess for anyone that's listening, like muskox uh, are primarily found in like the Western part of the state. Uh, so we don't really have them in Fairbanks or anything like that. Uh, unless they're at like the muskox, um, like we have a Lars, the large station, large animal research station that has muskox, and uh, I think Anchorage has something similar to that. Yeah, we we saw one uh, after the first Boreal Bigfoot Expo when Adam and Stephen and I drove up to Dead Horse. On the way back, we actually saw one on the side of the road, and Adam Adam almost got emotional because that was that was what he wanted to see. He wanted to see a muskox, yeah. and we we just happened to see one, and he got out and we got some good video of it and he was he almost had a little british cheer in his eye he was like oh i wanted to see one and there it is mm. but well, how cool. so we got a question how many calories do you think the hairy man needs to ingest every day uh i probably probably not as many as you would think i guess it kind of depends on their activity levels um i was hoping i could google something and find like uh well, bears, bears, bears have an average of like 5,000 uh, calories a day. Uh, and of course, bears up here can eat probably four times as much as that when they are uh, stocking up for winter, you know, with the salmon and everything. So, um, you know, if you're comparing like, say, to a black bear, it, I would say it's probably a similar calorie intake. I agree to yeah, that. I, I was just going to guess and say 4,000. 
Mm -hmm. Usually, I was, I was just looking. I found uh, for a bison, it said that the average is about ten thousand a day. Red Grossinger tackles that directly in his book. And I can't recall what he said. I, I think it was somewhere around 9,000 calories for an adult male. And I would estimate um, for a full-grown male, uh, 10,000 up to 20,000 in the winter where you have to be burning calories all the time to stay warm. It's just my guess. So what do we know? Yeah. Especially if they're in the areas where it gets 40 below for days or weeks at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Heidi, I wanted to ask you, we were talking about it before uh, you were here, and I was telling the, the guys, the panel here, I was like, I don't think I've ever had a sighting report where they talked about Bigfoot fishing or pulling fish mm -hmm. out of water. I've heard them stealing fish that were already caught from fish camps and stuff and drying racks and all kinds of stuff like that. But I don't think I've ever had a report or read a report where somebody saw them pulling salmon out of a stream or something well actually um i now this this isn't in alaska this this was in the midwest but one of the reports that i had um collected while i was living in the area was a gentleman was out catfishing at night and he was pulling his boat back up to his boat slip and he had seen an individual on the shore and it was, he said it was wading in the water, acting like it was trying to catch fish in the water when he saw it. Um, and and um, that particular individual happened to be a white individual, uh, which was one of the more unique uh, sighting encounters that I've gathered from down there. But up here, yeah. Well, I just think it's odd. I mean, that we haven't had any reports of any, you know, or even the spawned out salmon. Just you think they would just wait in there and just scoop them up and <laughs> just take off with them. Uh, yeah. But I, I haven't heard anything like that. I thought I heard a couple of reports out of like the Bethel area. Well, I, and I've and I have heard of them like um, there, there was some people inquiring this summer in regards to sightings of them taking fish out of fish wheels, which I guess would constitute stealing them, but they were scooping them out of fish wheels on, on the river. So, Sure. Fish wheels, nets. Mm -hmm. They love to take other people's fish. Stringers. Yeah. So, so what, you're, what, what we've deduced here is that Bigfoot is a crappy fisherman and he can only catch fish that people already <laughs> caught more. And, and yet they're so territorial when fisher people come into their area. They tend to get more pissed off at them than they do about hunters. Which is well, and I also, wonder, I also wonder if it might also have to do that they don't want to... I mean, wherever there's going to be thick fish runs there's probably a large um population of bear active in the area and we've actually talked before about how um bear and sasquatch possibly avoid one another because they're both basically like apex predators they they leave each other alone unless absolutely provoked maybe they just cut out the middleman and eat the bear after it eats the <laughs> fish a few reports well, of that. Yeah. Well, think about it. Maybe they just uh, 
let, maybe they they don't want us fishing because they want the bears to fatten up and eat all that fish, and then in the winter that's the wintertime snack. They'll go find the bear den and eat the bear while it's hibernating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I wonder if you know um, Sasquatch up here. They, I would think that they would possibly predate on things like um, uh, porcupine and and beaver and things like that. Things that kind of have. Uh, slightly rich and fatty meats to them um, might be fairly easy for them to catch compared to us uh, and and you know things like that I hear that um, porcupine meat is actually quite good uh, I've never had it myself but <laughs> yeah I think they probably do eat porcupine um, I mean they've got the if they've got the opposable thumbs for it, I mean they can probably manipulate it to a point where they can get in there without getting poked too bad. I mean, all they gotta do is wob them with a log or something and then turn him over and get to the meaty parts. Mm-hmm. Hey Ryan. Yeah. Go ahead, Norm. I was just saying hello to Ryan. I saw he <laughs> he had a comment about the calories. Yeah. Uh Cliff Cliff uh, had an interesting story in his presentation at one of the uh, Bigfoot conferences I saw him speak at. And he said there were two, this happened in two separate locations, very far, like one in the Midwest, one on maybe the East Coast or something. And they had found uh, in two separate places, uh, mice or or little rodents wrapped up in like a a leaf ball, almost like a I don't, I don't know, like a little snack or something. And it was in two different places, uh, two separate, you know, occasions. Right. And he had picture. He actually had pictures of one of them. And I thought that was interesting. Like, is that maybe uh, he's saving it for later? Is that like a, a little cash there? He's going to wrap this in a leaf and, and save it for later. Is that some kind <laughs> of uh, preservation technique or something? Uh, I don't know. Huh. Appetizers by Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there were those um, couple of interesting uh, kills uh, out, I think that was in uh, Delta Junction area, Jesse, um, that uh, were, the, were the moose kills, where it was just the head and the spinal cords, and they were laid side by side, kind of in an in a odd way. Um, and, you know, I have wondered if, um, Sasquatch might have, you know, areas where they basically strip the bodies of whatever their kills are and, and then leave the carcasses behind like that. Yeah. I've, I've kind of wondered about that myself. Um, I would say that they'd probably do that with like caribou because caribou's a little, lighter um and they're they travel in huge numbers um they're probably easier to capture whereas a moose is a lot bigger and uh i don't know if if i was if i had a choice between going up against a moose and a caribou i'd probably go up against caribou myself yeah <laughs> they're a little less dangerous i think well and that was the year that uh we had all that snow dump on us and um the moose were gathering in like record-sized herd numbers because they just had nowhere to go and a lot of moose were 
starving because they couldn't get enough food. Um, but I would imagine if, if Bigfoot did hunt big game like that, uh, they would probably be opportunistic and, and, you know, pick out the sickly ones or wait for, for, um, calving season and picking off newborns. I, I think big. Oh, I think Jesse froze up of, uh, here and I don't know. We have like rabbits and, and stuff like that up here too. You know, smaller animals that might be easier to catch. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of a few encounters where they were seen like picking rock, like on a, a hillside or something like digging through rocks, looking for voles or, or, or they do that with really. ground squirrels too. Yeah. Ground squirrels and marmots. They'll dig for those. And ptarmigan are stupid birds. Um, you can probably throw a rock at one and kill it because it just freezes, it just stands there. So, so. Yeah, same with grouse. Grouse are not the brightest. <laughs> yeah, their their function in life is to be a food source for other animals. That's why they're easy. That's why they're easy to kill. Uh, since we're talking about birds, I I think a lot about uh, stealing eggs, especially mm -hmm. uh, long you know, marshes and lakes and ponds where you've got ducks and geese, uh, swans, swans, that sort of thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. a big, uh, that's, that would be an excellent source of protein. Um, I don't know about stealing eggs out of nests up in trees, but I would not rule that out. Yeah. We have the, the sandhill cranes down here on the peninsula and those, those okay. nest on the ground. Yes. Those are also... That's also the number one suspect for a Mothman. Everybody I'm always also... busts that out. It's a sandhill crane. <laughs> I thought about insects though too, like in um, that are burrowed into bark and trees, and you know under logs and in sod and stuff like that. If uh, they'll if they'll um, grub hunt basically for insects, especially in winter <clears throat> when there's insects that do basically hibernate inside the bark of trees and things it it's probably not a lot of protein but it's better than eating the bark itself <laughs> yeah, yeah so we I have frogs too yeah. yeah yeah there's frogs i found a tree trunk torn apart next to a big boy trail as i call it could have been a bear i don't know but it was ripped apart pretty good i think they were looking for grubs whatever got into it you know, when I was growing up, uh, I'd always like a bunch of collections of stories and stuff in there. And I recall in a number of books, there was uh, stories of like Bigfoot coming out to like people who had like pies cooling outside or, or people cooking um, outside and stealing stuff, you know, pie on the windowsill kind of a thing. Yeah, I've heard that too. Mm -hmm. Nice image. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, remember the uh, the Thanks. Ruby Creek, Ruby Creek, where it turned over the barrels of uh, with the salted fish in them. Mm -hmm. Again, crappy fishermen got to got to wait till they're already caught. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder if they have their own ways of uh, preparing 
meats. Like I, I've never heard of them uh, like like smoking meat, but I don't know. There, there's got to be some other ways that they could like dry out the meat, essentially like making jerky or something, and then they can store it. I mean, well, how how do they keep the rodents and stuff out of it? That's well, that's the I. That's why I was thinking, you know, they have food caches the way the indigenous people did, um, it, you know, at least here in the Northern Territories, once it starts getting um, to a certain cold point in the fall, they can bury it in the ground and it will basically, you know, keep it frozen or cool. And it will more than likely, if depending on how deep they bury it and I would imagine they would bury it deep enough to where other scavengers couldn't get a hold of it um, and they probably have just stronger constitutions than us so even if the meat is a little bad and a human couldn't uh, ingest it uh, they probably would have the ability to and I hear that uh, a lot of times they uh, try and find like a cave mm. or something so in like the Wrangell San Elias area there's there's a lot of stories of them living in caves in the mountains yeah in, in groups you know so they have to be in the winter in the interior they must have shelter uh, even covered with hair it's just too cold to be outside exposed all the time well it's a group effort too in the winter because it takes you know, your chances are always going to increase when you're in a group for survival. So any type of group shelter where you're conserving, uh, you know, energy and some are hunting, some are st staying in and staying warm and, and taking shifts, if you want to call it that, um, on what they're doing there. So that tree structure definitely with some sort of uh, covering, maybe caribou hide, uh, that seems to be kind of... A, kind of odd but uh i could see more vegetation type insulation mm -hmm. being used mm -hmm. now here's something um that i've actually heard about uh down down as well but i've thought about um how it, how it could be applied here is that um making basically uh living live wells for fish where they they basically rock off a portion of a lake or um, a creek where it's shallow. They catch fish, they put it into this basically a, a makeshift live well and they keep them there until they need them. And they just go scoop them out and, and take them to, to you know, eat or if they have some manner of prepping the fish, you know. <laughs> Has anybody found one of those? Um, you know, down in the South where it was being speculated, um, they had come across spring heads where the spring was flowing down into a creek channel and the spring head had been walled off to make a small pond and fish had been brought up and put into that, uh, area, uh, which they normally would not be able to access. Uh, so it was obviously somebody purposely done it. Wow. Um, yeah, in, in pretty remote areas. That's interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. So, 
There's a question in the chat about hibernating. Um, I don't necessarily think about uh, full-time hibernation, you know, October to mid-April, but there's definitely periods of low activity. Um, you know, it's a feast or famine type of an environment, so they take advantage of a caribou kill or some roadkill, and then they can hold up for four, five, six, seven days at a time before they need to eat again. So there's not necessarily a true hibernation, but maybe a, more like a torpor, uh, like a three or four day type of hibernation, or not necessarily sleeping, but low activity, I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a report out of Iliamna where a gentleman saw one and he described it as having a pot belly. And mm -hmm. it was a wintertime sighting. And I always assumed that maybe it was had fattened up for the winter uh, but somebody else mentioned like, well, maybe it was pregnant. And I guess that's yeah. a possibility too. But uh, I'd always kind of just thought that they probably did like the bears and then kind of towards the end of summer, they, they just fattened up as much as they could. And then like, like yep. Michael yeah. was saying, like Michael was saying, they'll, you know, they'll hold up for as long as they can until they absolutely have to go out and, and they probably do most of their hunting in the winter. And that's what they'll do is they'll get something and then, you know, live off of it yep. for a few days and then, you know, do it all over again. Well, and if you think That's like, right if you think like um, cows and horses and other other animals that are kind of herd type animals, they kind of have a sixth sense about um, when bad weather is coming, and like they'll turn their back to the rain, or they'll lay down in the rain, or they'll seek shelter if there's a bad thunderstorm coming. I'm sure that they're able to detect changes in the weather to where they're gonna they're gonna know if there's a steep drop in temperature so when we have those cold snaps those 40 negative 40 cold snaps or what have you that last for a few days or a week or two at a time um they may yeah go into a hibernative stasis or you know low activity stasis and um hole up together if they're if they do live in family groups and just wait out weighed out the cold <laughs> do you guys think that sasquatch utilizes hot springs uh in the winter for drinkable water if they have well i don't know about drinkable water but if they have access to a hot spring with steam i don't see why they wouldn't utilize that <laughs> yeah like the macaques in japan is it macaques? I just, yeah i I think something like that, yeah. Um, yeah. Almost every animal in Yellowstone does that over the winter too. Mm -hmm. I just, I just haven't really found a whole bunch of uh, reports about Bigfoot utilizing hot springs, and I just know that we have a handful of them up here. Well, you know, we we did have um, right before that the first expo we hosted, we had that um, one. Uh, fellow that talked about um, seeing one cross the road on their way to a hot spring just north of Fairbanks. Um, and, you know, it, it was, I think, about 100 miles north of Fairbanks or so, but they were actually on their way to go visit a, a hot spring uh, when they saw the creature cross the road behind them. Um, so... And that was, I think, in December. I think that it was December or January when they had that encounter. So, uh, 
So Rob Roy says that uh, he can't get his work computer, mic, and camera to work. I had invited him to this. He said he was going to be here. But once again, he chooses work over his friends. So, <laughs> Bye, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to tell his story about um, Ron Moorhead and the, the courts eating Bigfoot. So mm. we'll have to save that for another day, I guess. But. Hmm. Well, you know, there are supposedly lots of Bigfoot sightings around graves or graveyards. Um, I hear that narrative a lot um, down in the South. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting. I haven't heard much about it up here in, in Alaska, but uh, I do think it's kind of odd that people would be in cemeteries or something and, uh, you know, supposedly have some kind of phenomenon occur that they attribute to Sasquatch activity. That's an interesting point because there's a story uh, that Stephen Major tells about uh, an area in Canada where there's a, a, a burial ground, a native burial ground that is protected by a Bigfoot. Mm. And he, I always thought like, oh, well, the Bigfoot, like if that's true, then the Bigfoot there has to be some kind of weird, like supernatural element to it, where the Bigfoot knows it's got to protect this graveyard. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe the Bigfoot just likes to eat on the dead bodies, and he's protecting a food source. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little morbid, but you know, yeah, you got to be a cop to figure that one out. <laughs> We know we have a lot of stories of giants up here, and the giants are reported to be to to be cannibals. Yeah, but I haven't really heard a whole bunch about that in regards to Bigfoot up here. So, well, if you if you talk to uh, (laughs) go ahead, sorry. (laughs) Oh no, I was going to say, you know. Uh, Mr. Roll out there in Dutch Harbor was talking about how, uh, you know, they they believe that if they take you, they're taking you to eat you. (laughs) Uh, That's why you don't answer whistles or anything in in the woods. Yeah, I've always thought that for the most part, they leave us alone. But if they're really, unless we really screw up, like any other animal, if you get around them and they're young or a food source or if they're really old and having a hard time feeding themselves, then maybe they might decide to, uh, to mess with humans. But, uh, I never really thought like that they could maybe get into a cemetery or something and, and eat mm-hmm. dead people. This took so a dark turn. <laughs> What's on well, the surface know. of the cemetery? The people leave flowers and things like that. Yeah. So when I think of the cemetery thing, it's the easy access to, vegetation you know it's left as memorials you know the flowers and the wreaths and things like that well what about things like um if they if they need high protein sources i see boondock nomad uh in the chat talking about how you know they're massive creatures they need to have that continual protein source through the winter what if they take advantage of the opportunity of other animals that are hibernating like bear and bear, when they're denning and hibernating in the winter, they're, they're also having their cubs um, at that point in time as well. There's also beaver in, in their beaver lodges will hole up inside their lodges. And those could be potentially fairly easy targets for a predator that is 
looking for a large protein source. Well, at the same time, we're assuming they need a lot of protein. They might be like protein camels and mm -hmm. they may only need, you know, a little bit of protein every once in a while. Mm -hmm. we're, we're assuming their metabolism. Yeah. I do have a hard time seeing them as um, like hard grass uh, eaters. You know, most animals that survive more strictly on a grass and grains diet have have to have multiple stomachs or um, a specialized digestive system for that. Um, like if you look at, at the panda, for example, that eats strictly bamboo, they actually get very little nutrition from their food, even though it's very odd that they're, they've specifically evolved to eat that, but their digestive system is very inefficient uh, because they can't glean a lot of nutrients out of it. So I think they would absolutely have to at least, you know, be omnivorous. Um, and the ones up here, I think, would, would have to probably have a higher protein diet than those in the South for the winter. Yeah, I mean, it could be a, uh, we're not even like, hit. it could be something like they eat vegetation 99% of the time, and then they only like during a full moon, a hunter's moon, do they actually like go out and hunt and, and get protein. So they may yeah. only eat protein, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. I, I don't know if that that's really how it would be. Um, the animals that really uh, feast primarily on just plants, you know, like koalas or something uh, or sloths, they they don't move very fast. And Bigfoot uh, is not a slow creature from what we've from, from what we've got, been able to gather from sightings and stuff. Um, they, they move pretty, uh, pretty well for being a big creature. So I think they would have to have a higher protein content to their diet. Proteins well, and fats. If you look at things like, um, uh, for example, deer that are on, um, Scott in Scotland, uh, some of the deer have been known to, uh, eat birds and bird eggs because the grasses on the moorlands there are so poor in nutrition that they actually have to eat deer or uh, bird eggs uh, to add extra protein into their system. So uh, that has been observed uh, in deer there. So I'll do you one better, Heidi. The body farm in Tennessee, they've caught deer on the trail cams. They're eating dead human bodies. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, if, if a deer has to resort to, to, you know, that kind of thing, I would think that uh, something as large as a Sasquatch um, is going, is going to absolutely need to have some kind of meat factored into their diet. Hunter-gatherer societies, um, starting at the equator, they're very heavy on vegetative matter. But the further mm -hmm. north you go, the larger and larger the component of animal foods. And you look at our own Inuit. Um, yeah. Before we showed up, they were pretty much just carnivores. Yeah. Berries in the summer. But I would and think the Alaskan interior boreal Bigfoot 
particularly in winter, is almost exclusively a carnivore. Mm -hmm. And being yeah. selective on what they're eating, not just having, you know, the a, a hind quarter or front quarter, but eating organ meat that's nutrient dense. So they're yeah. going to go for that first because it's more bang for the buck right there. And then yeah. the other things with, the, you know, hauling back the, you know, the back straps and, and things like that, of course. Mm -hmm. And they probably also go after marrow. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely, because they find crushed bones. So, yep. Yeah, I've heard several accounts of, of people finding um, kill sites where the bones were like snapped open and some were missing the marrow. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a delicacy, a treat. So, as far as hunting goes, I mean, do you think they're they're pretty much just like WWF hands on, or do you think they try to utilize uh, some some primitive tool use, like uh, throwing rocks or uh, maybe using a, a large log or stick or something to either hit an animal or uh, to uh, trip it up? I've actually wondered about um, some of the stranger tree structures that have been found, if they possibly use tree structures as um, perhaps a type of ambushing tool or trap where they could herd maybe a caribou individual or a, or a deer or something into a trap um, where it's kind of corralled or cornered in and easier for them to actually get a hold of and take down um i've actually been watching some of the shows that have come up here more recently on the networks and and they're finding odd tree structures where where limbs are kind of balanced on other tree stumps and to me they look like honestly they look like um pine martin snare snare traps without a snare attached to it but um uh, it's kind of what what they remind me of. So, Rob, Rob's with us. Hey, can you guys Hi. hear me from from the world famous Bigfoot Art Gallery? We have Rob Roy Menzies. I made it. God, I was having problems setting up my my uh, microphone and my uh, camera weren't working, but I finally got it. Hey, so, while you're here, since you're here, I, I was telling these guys, I was like, I wanted you to come on and tell us about the the quartz eating Bigfoot. If you could just touch on that real quick. The what? The quartz eating Bigfoot and Ron, Ron oh, Morton's story. Oh, quartz eating. Yes. Uh, I heard uh, through a, another person th that a witness watched a family or a, a couple Bigfoots eating quartz. The mineral? Uh, yeah, like a rock. Like yeah, actually long on it. And which makes no sense to me. See, I've wondered, like, were they eating it or did they just put it? Because I've wondered sometimes if Bigfoot will carry around rocks in their mouth because they don't have pockets. And I think, like, chimpanzees and, and some gorillas have been known to, like, store things in their mouth. Isn't quartz, uh, like, this one of the second hardest stones out there or something? It has a real high uh, density number, right? Like it's it's hard, like not as hard as diamonds. I don't know how they'd be able to eat it. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, maybe the maybe they were less 
trying to eat it as they were like sucking on it. Like what if the course was embedded in, in, you know, other types of rock that has other types of mineral. Cause a lot of times quartz is bonded with other stones and, and minerals, you know, in it's the like ground. Yeah, yeah. Like salt lake. Exactly. Hmm. Even the lichen on the stones, I would think. Yeah, too. Um, I, I That's a good point. Michael. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm hearing like uh, echoes or something. Oh. <laughs> no, we're not hearing anything on our end. I, it's just, you it's just you, me? Rob. It's just you. <laughs> I just leave. Where's my, I just get a, get a sign up. Well, we thought we were going to have to have Michael do that earlier. He didn't have any uh, audio at all. Yeah, silica yeah. from the quartz rock. Yeah, that's a great point, December. Um, yeah, things like that. There are other minerals that they might not get from other parts of their diet that they might, I don't know, find on a rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, geese have been known to swallow stones to actually help them digest uh, food in their stomachs, harder food in their stomachs and things like that. I don't know. It's, it's definitely weird, a weird one. Oh, there you go, Robert. Would you have YouTube on in the background? I don't know. I'm hearing I'm hearing all kinds of voices here. <laughs> well, you just do whatever those voices tell you to do, Rob. Uh, I can't. I can't. You're all talking at once. It's weird. I don't know where this audio is coming from. But uh, anyway, the story is with the with the quartz. Uh, Mr. Ron Moorhead came in here and I uh, I told him about that, and he said that sounds about right because gold is a conductive. And conduit and something to do with that, something to do with the energy and the gold. So that was from Moorhead. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, kind of interesting. But that's something weird I heard. I don't know. I don't know. That's one of those, uh, you know, it's quantum. It's like the in all the movies now, you know, it used to be everything was like DNA or everything was nuclear there for a while. Like all the monsters right. were nuclear and mm -hmm. then they were DNA or not DNA. Yeah, it was DNA. Like ever, all the monsters and the creatures were created through DNA. And now right. it's all going to be now it's quantum. Quantum's the big unknown. So it's all quantum. Yeah. Ron, you know Ron fell right into it. He thought it all made sense. The actual chewing on or eating or chewing or sucking on a piece of quartz with gold. He, he said, oh, that actually makes sense. Well, you know, there's okay. a, well, I'm glad it makes sense to him, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Well, there's an interesting thing when you are iron deficient. Yeah. Uh, you can you can actually get a craving for eating dirt. Uh, it actually ah. happened, it actually happened to my aunt once. She had an unbelievable craving to eat dirt, and she couldn't understand why. She went to the doctors and um, was diagnosed as being iron deficient. And when you huh. suffer iron deficiencies and things, you'll start craving things that will help, you know, bring that into your body and, and you can, you know, derive iron from dirt. So maybe, well, you know, maybe it's, it's, if they, if they're lacking a certain type of thing that they need, you know, in their body. I mean, well, at I least guess it was dirt, not blood. <laughs> People yeah. like yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's something along like the lines that. of that. Um, uh, but according to you know, Ron, Ron knows all about the, the energy and you know all the gold and the trees and 
you know, Bigfoot's energy he likes to hide in the trees. He he got some interesting theories, but uh, it was kind of funny about that that, uh, that granite with the quartz. I don't know about that, but I'll be right back. How about the rest of you guys? Uh, any of you out there seen a uh, Matanuska Batman? Not a Matanuska Batman. Well, I had a guy come in here and uh, <laughs> say that he saw one. Um, he didn't call it a Batman, but he said the face looked like a bat. And I just oh. did a little illustration of it just based on what he told me. Um, but that was that was the newest thing. That was kind of fun. It was actually kind of fun to draw. But. Was So yeah. I noticed it. It looks like it's got the face of a vampire bat. Was that yeah. what yeah. he described I'm, to you? or Because some bats have like a snout. Well, yeah. See, I had that big that King Kong mask in my gallery, and I pointed at that, and I said, "You mean a bat like with that kind of nose?" And he said, "Yeah, but it had ears." He said it had short ears. Hmm. Uh, oh, and I started. I almost said, "Is it a was it a dog man?" But How no, big? He said it had the face of a bat. How um, big was it? Legs of a dog, covered in fur, only about six feet tall. Um, but he and another uh, hunter, he was hunting moose, uh, claimed that this thing walked out from the other side of the river onto the beach, and saw him, and turned around and walked back in the tree lines. So, I don't know. That was so, a new Rob, one I wanted to ask uh, everybody, I think I've asked everybody but you so far, do you have any, have you heard any reports of Bigfoot fishing, like pulling fish out of the water? Pulling fish out of the water. Not hmm. not stealing other people's fish, but pulling a big a fishing Bigfoot, a Bigfoot pulling fish out of the water. I think I've heard. I swear I've read stories of that. I can't really recall, but it seems like I've heard of them pulling fish out and eating them. But uh, uh, are you thinking about the one that was in Saxman, Rob Roy? I don't from, know. Doctor Alley had it. He talked about, about eating fish. Uh, okay. Because <laughs> I I can't I honestly can't recall one of them pulling I, fish. I, know. I mean, there was I, one yeah, about them pulling specifically fish out of a trap, fish out of, off of drying racks, uh, fish you know out of fish camp, fish that have already right. been caught. Basically, Stealing I fish. cannot I cannot recall a story where they have been caught fishing, pulling their own fish out of the water. Hmm. Maybe they uh, maybe they just steal the fish. Who knows? The general consensus is they're crappy fishermen. Maybe they are. Well, isn't that the story of why the natives stopped dealing with Bigfoot back then, the natives, because mm -hmm. they started, instead of trading fish, they started stealing the fish. Um, mm -hmm. I've heard that. And then they start stealing the women and the children. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that slope. began their demise of being hunted down. So I don't know. You know your bat your your Batman story of yeah. the Matsu area kind of reminds me of something weird that I had seen here in Fairbanks that I I thought looked like a Mothman. Oh wow! <laughs> um, when I was working at Michael's Arts and Crafts, uh, I was one of the managers there at the store, and it was close to Christmas time. And the closer to Christmas you get, the later they stay open. So. 
it was like 1130 at night and it was really dark out and I was the last person there. Um, I had waited for a girl to get her ride home before I left and it had just started snowing and I was pulling up to the four-way light to pull out of the parking lot there um, at the mall and across the street um, is another parking lot with another mall. And as I was turning onto the street, I noticed that there was a figure on top of one of the one-way signs in the parking lot. And it looked like a person standing straight up and it was an all black silhouette. He was kind of hunched, kind of hunched over. And it, it looked like, you know, an average sized person. I wouldn't say it was six feet or anything, but it was an average sized human like silhouette. And, but he was perched like standing on top of a one-way sign. And those things are at least six feet, if not closer to seven. And I remember going around the, the street corner and I was like, what did I just see? And it like slowed down and looked in my rear view mirror and it was still there, but you couldn't see any features to it. It didn't have like skin or anything. It was all black and uh, couldn't see, couldn't see any, any definable shapes. And the first thing I thought of when I saw it was it looks like a Mothman. <laughs> Your last Creepy. Mothman. Yeah. Uh, Karis wants to know the apes fish. I don't know. Do apes fish? Really? I don't. Uh, I just Googled it. There's 26 species of primates that have been reported to feed on aquatic and marine flora or fauna. Oh. So. I know gorillas. I do it. The gorillas That's don't spend a lot of time around water. They don't even drink a lot of water. They get all their water from their vegetation that they, they eat. But those are gorillas, inland gorillas, anyway. Where would they buy their fishing poles, anyway? I know. If, if there's a, if there's a eight Karis, if there's a Bigfoot out there that's fishing without a license, I guarantee you there's a wildlife trooper that's trying to give him a ticket. <laughs> I I have heard. Of, so what's up um, with the chef hat, Bean? Are you cooking tonight? No, it's the theme of the episode. It's the Thanksgiving episode, so we're talking about what Bigfoot Thanksgiving. eats. Thanksgiving. Ah, okay. Yeah. I thought you maybe just got a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good on you. I was surprised because I was like, well, I'll try it on and see how it looks. And I'm probably not going to wear it. And I put it on. I was like, all right, it's not that bad. Wow. Well, it's good to see everybody. I didn't think I'd make it, but I figured out it was all in my settings. I had to do a bunch of stuff on my computer. But um, this thing is kind of my, my standby machine, but it, it works pretty good. But I figured it out. <laughs> Even though I probably missed all the conversations. Missed a lot of it. Well, we talked uh, about that uh, that Bigfoot might eat here in, in the state. So, yeah, that's one of the things that I miss because all the Bigfoot podcasts now are all like encounters and scary stories, and there's mm -hmm. not hardly any podcasts out there anymore. If you guys ever listen to old school Bigfoot, the Bigfoot Show with um, Brian Brown and Scott Harriet and uh, Paul. Uh, and those guys would sit around basically and just talk about stuff like this for hours. They would always devolve into a PG film argument, but the, there were some really good conversations in there. 
where they would just talk about like, well, what do they eat? How do they, you know, survive and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's some really excellent conversations and right. anymore, like everything's just, you know, like Cletus, the, you know, is like, I saw a Bigfoot over there and he was huge and he tried to eat me. And that's like every single Bigfoot podcast out there now. And there's hardly any like just discussion of like grounded, serious scientific discussion about how they survive. Well, and, you know, I would be interested to talk to some people that have um, said that they found scat that they have thought could be Sasquatch scat because, you know, whatever the contents are could tell you what they're feeding on in that in that area, you know. Well, Rob Roy and I found a pretty interesting scat last summer uh, or was it summer before last? I don't even remember. It was last summer and it had it had seeds in it. But man, it was weird. It looked, it looked, I remember that's what Rob Boy said. He's like, that's human. And I was like, it can't yeah, be. It looks human. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, tell us more about it. Why do you say it looked human? Oh, geez. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I guess you could say it looked, my dog has pooped like that before, but it looked more like a human turd. You know, versus versus it was uh, it was round. It was round. I mean, it was probably about that big around. And cross yeah, and it was long. Actually, I'm gonna say very healthy too. It actually had styrations in it, like you could see where it had been pushed out. (laughs) Um, We've we've got pictures of it. I'll I'll see if I can dig them up and send them to you. Yeah, it sounds a lot like what I saw that had the fiber in it. Yeah, well, this had seeds. I couldn't tell you what kind of seeds, but it definitely had seeds in it. I don't remember. I think there was hair in it, too, wasn't there? Yeah, well, I mean, it was human enough. We we actually went back to the cabin and asked, you know, uh, the other guys if they happened to go to the bathroom up there, you know, just so, (laughs) you know, Beans isn't carrying around a turd in his pocket. (laughs) It was in my backpack, not my pocket. Oh, that's right. Sorry. It was, yeah, it was in a bag. Ah, yes, but, uh, you know, it did look unusual. I mean, it didn't look like other animal turds out there. So where was it? What was the setting? It was on a trail, a game trail. uh, Yeah, it was kind of on one of the game trails. Yeah, I've got I've got there's a video. I'll send it to you, Norm. There's a video of us actually finding it. And you can actually it's pretty cool because you I'm filming when Rob Roy sees it for the first time. I'm like, Hey, come over here and look at this. And you, I've got his like raw reaction. It's pretty good. Cause he's like, oh, that's human. Or that looks human. <laughs> kind of did. You know, you gotta make sure you don't know the guys are out there. Everybody's hiking around. You don't know. Someone's gonna, you know, have to go to the bathroom. Somebody's got IBS. I bet there wasn't any toilet paper or wads of leaves or anything laying around. No, there wasn't any of that. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a human did that in the middle of a trail. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think you threw it away, didn't you, Beans? So I was going to try and send it off, and I couldn't find anybody that wanted to take it, and I eventually like got rid of it. I should have frozen it, but it was I had it stored in a... Um, a tote on my porch and I kept getting nervous that like it was going to start smelling. So I threw it away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how you'd I guess you, I don't know. You could have smashed it flat and stuck it in an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you most, know, there was most, that, 
Most when we labs went, don't want you to send poop to them. When we went to um, that area out off the of Denali Highway, uh, that guy was talking about how his brother said he was feeding a Sasquatch watermelon on the creek side. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. He said that, yeah. He said he'd been feeding it, I think, for a, a few weeks. Wow. Um, and and uh, it had it it would he would leave it on a rock next to this creek that came down their property. They they had apparently had just bought the property and and uh, his brother was kind of out there clearing the land and had seen this creature down by the river at one point. So he left watermelon out there for it, and he started leaving it out there for him on a on a regular basis until he. He couldn't have watermelon anymore because <laughs> of how remote the area was. And I think, I don't know if a winter hit and he couldn't get out there or if he was snowed in or something. So, yeah, that's got to be something that would probably blow a Sasquatch's mind up here because there's, I don't think there's Candy. any water. There's no watermelon in Alaska, is there? Unless someone grows it in a hothouse. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, know a buddy who does in a greenhouse. Yeah. I mean, if they're also, I mean, there's high bush cranberry out there and blueberry and raspberry. So, um, you know, watermelon is a, is a, you know, a, a much more subtle, sweet flavor. Um, but it definitely would be a different kind of texture, you know, for their palate, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, given their penchant for berries and for sweet feed, it seems like Bigfoot does have a bit of a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. Well, Bobo always said that uh, Bigfoot likes donuts. He'd always leave donuts, you know, on finding Bigfoot. Hmm. Interesting. Who doesn't like donuts? That's what we need to do. We need to get into a habituation situation where we're like giving them donuts and sweet feed and all you kinds know. of, until, until the Bigfoot gets diabetes and, and then we can, <laughs> he gets slow enough that we, Fat, overweight enough, cereal. he can't move, and we can catch him. I'll bring well, my bag. Heard, of... uh, you got uh, the boxes of cereal in a tree. I've heard that before too. Mm. Yeah. Well, you missed the discussion on the Zagnut Bar. Uh, <laughs> there's there's a gentleman. I can't remember. There's a thermal footage out there somewhere of uh, a Bigfoot reaching over like a, a uh, stump or something, and there's a candy bar up there. And I uh. want, for some reason I thought it was a Zagnut Bar. Maybe it's a it was another candy, kind of candy bar. But I was telling these guys, like, in 45 years, I've never seen a freaking Zagnut bar, like, in a store. Like, I've never seen one in real life. <laughs> well, here, Michaels used to carry it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I like Zagnut, but I blame Beel Juice for that, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's the first place I ever saw one. I didn't think it was a real thing. I thought it was just something they did for the movie. And apparently they're they're a real candy bar, but I've never seen one. I've, there's there's a Bigfoot out there somewhere that has tasted a Zagnut bar, you know, living in the woods and you know pooping on the ground. And here I am, you know, living in the cradle of civilization, and I've never tasted a Zagnut bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we've been going for an hour and a half. I think we're gonna have to wrap it up. We're talking about well, pooping in the I'm woods. Glad I could make the last bars. fifteen minutes or so. Good yeah. to see all of you guys. 
It's good to see you too. Yeah. We'll do it again. We'll have yeah, a we'll, we'll have again. a Christmas we'll have a Christmas special or something. I don't know. We'll do we'll do something and we'll all back get back. We'll get the band back together again. Yeah. Yeah. So That's before awesome. before we go, let's go around and I want everybody to give at least one thing that you're thankful for. It has it doesn't have to be crypto related, but you know, whatever. Jesse, you go ahead and go first because you're the first in the lineup. Okay. Uh what am I thankful for? I'm kind of thankful uh, for being about like halfway done with my master's program. It's uh, it's been a lot of hard work, so I'm glad I, I I'm glad that I know how much longer I have. Before you can see the you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, and for a while there, it was just like, what am I doing? What did I get myself into? You know. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're there. You're getting there. You're almost there. Norm, what about you, sir? I had been putting off a project for a customer I did not want to do. He wanted a cat balcony, of all things, in the shape of the front of a pirate ship. And I, <laughs> I put it aside forever. It became my white whale. And finally, the last couple of days, I've been working on it here at home. That's why I'm in overalls, uh, and I'm almost done, and I'm so glad to finally have that behind me. That's awesome. Is it? Is he going to let you name the boat, or do you? Does he got a name for it? He doesn't want my name for it. No, I, I think I'm going to leave that up to him. Should call it the SS uh, Meow Mix or something. I don't know. I got, I got nothing. Rob Roy, what are you thankful for, sir? What's that? What are you thankful for? What am I thankful for? Well, I'm thankful that uh, I'm thankful uh, I'm still open and I'm still doing well in business. Awesome. Yeah. Bigfoot Art Gallery in Palmer, Alaska, everybody. Heidi? It's been uh, really busy. It's been really busy. Actually, today was busier than I thought it would be. But, um, it keeps me out of trouble. That's all I can say. I'm uh I'm thankful that I finally have some free time carved out. A lot of my summer projects have come to a conclusion and I'm uh getting ready to work on a new project which uh, is starting my own YouTube channel in regards to high strangeness and and uh, not just cryptids. There'll be some uh UFO and some paranormal uh things that that don't really have a what I would consider an in-the-box type of category. It's just a high strangeness thing that occurs. And uh, so I'm getting ready to start um, putting those out. And I'm thankful to be able to do that finally. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I've, cool. thought, I've thought about doing like a true crime, like pod, law enforcement podcast, but I don't think the internet's ready for that yet. <laughs> My, Michael, what about you, sir? Uh no major health problems this year so continued good health uh family friends i'm in a good job uh making a lot of money for what i do I've got the appropriate amount of responsibility that corresponds to the pay so i'm really thankful for that um thankful that i got most of my chore list done before it snowed and and turned into this below zero although i need to cut some more firewood but that's kind of always an ongoing thing uh, just thankful that we can have little discussions like this and 
and uh, just good friends. Nice. So I'm going to go. Uh, I actually, I was thinking as you guys were going, I was like, I should have went first because somebody's going to say what I'm going to say, but nobody did. So uh, I'm actually thankful for the Boreal Bigfoot Research Group and all you guys. Uh, I love our little chat group. And I, ladies and gentlemen, I just told these guys yesterday, like, hey, there's gonna, I'm going to do a podcast tomorrow night. You guys want to be on? And here, look who all showed up. I mean, that's pretty good considering the short notice and the lack of planning on my part. So I, I think this one person from the group. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it turned out great. We had a great discussion. I think this video is going to do really well. I think people are going to find it really interesting. Uh, I'm going to go back and listen to it again, I think. Uh, so thank you guys so much for being here. And uh, I appreciate everybody that watched. Uh, head over to lastwatchpodcast.com website. You can pick up uh, a little something for your your friends that are interested in Bigfoot, some Christmas gifts. We're going to have a Black Friday sale, so be sure and swing over there and check out what's going on. Uh, Rob, you having a Black Friday sale? Oh, yeah. Well, every day is a Black Friday sale here. <laughs> uh, all right. Anybody? So, Heidi, you don't, do you have your channel name or anything? Somebody was asking for a, a sublink. You're just putting it the, together. The, the channel is going to be called The, the Preternaturalist. Um, but I don't have it set up yet. It will be set up by the end of the year. I'm still getting um, my programming and stuff set up on my computer for that. So um, once I do have it ready, uh, I will be posting it on my Facebook page uh, in the Bigfoot Facebook groups, the UFO Facebook groups that are all on um, Alaska by state. Uh, so you can you can check for, the, for it there and um, probably even the Bigfoot Expo website. I, I might post it up there too. So. Jesse, you got anything you want to promote? Books, anything like that? Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, I have some stuff that I'm working on or whatever, but um, it's all just little side projects that aren't done yet. Um, <laughs> I do. If you want to get something of mine, you can go on to Amazon and pick up my book. It's uh, called Saucers of the North. It's a history of UFOs in Alaskan airspace. Um, it's, it's a good book. I've sold out. I got to buy some more. So, yeah. Uh, or you could go to Rob Roy's shop, and he sometimes has copies there. Yeah. I think he said he needs some I more. Them out. People love that book. Good. Yeah, you know, I, Norm, just, you I just gave a copy to Bart Laban, and oh. he was when the legislatures legislators but uh i think he's retired at this point or something or house was he a house from i don't know all right he was a politician how about that <laughs> norm you got anything you need to promote buddy i got a couple books out there but they're not bigfoot or cryptid related i'm working on three right now simultaneously that i'm very excited about but there are ways out yet Rob Roy, you want to tell people about the gallery? Oh, well, the gallery, will we will be open Friday, so uh, come on in. We've got all kinds of Bigfoot swag and art and uh, stories, and uh, we even have guitars and other things here, uh, but it's it's a fun place. Everybody that comes in seems to really enjoy it, so um, we really enjoy working here, so it, we must be doing something right. I wish it wasn't so damn far away. I'd I would come in, I'd drop in a couple times a week probably. Yeah. yeah. I'd be yeah, like a house, be working there. I'd be I like a house cat. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Heidi, you've already gotten your YouTube 
uh, channel. Anything else going on? No, not really right now. It's, it's basically my YouTube channel is what I'm focusing on. Um, I mean, I have all kinds of art projects in the works. It's a shame I don't live closer to you, Rob, because if you needed a custom framer, I'd totally love a job doing that. <laughs> but no, I don't have any other projects in the works. I'm pretty much focusing on my YouTube channel right now. Hey, Rob, if you ever want uh, a seven foot tall painting of a Saturn V rocket, <laughs> I have one that's ready to go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who my customers are going to be for that, but I had to paint it. So I built that one it. I have to go on eBay. <laughs> Michael, sir, anything for you? Uh, SasquatchTracker.com is open 24 7, 366 days a year on leap years. Um, I am not having a Black Friday sale. Uh, I'll go skiing instead. Um, other than that, uh, I wish everyone well for this holiday season. Happy Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas and things like that. So that's all I'm promoting. Just good cheer. All right, guys. I'm going to yeah, call it there. Report your sightings to Sasquatch Tracker. Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. Get your sightings out there. Come forward. Um, so Bigfoot's got to eat. Beans has got to eat. I'm going to go have some dinner. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming. I appreciate you. I loved our conversation tonight, and we will definitely do it again. So uh, with that, everybody say good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you.